Trustworthy Weekly, delivering the best of humanity every Saturday. Here's your hosts, Allison Rosen and Todd Perry. Hello, everybody. This is the Upworthy Weekly podcast, and my name is Todd Perry, and I'm a staff writer here at Upworthy. And with me is Allison Rosen. You know her as the host of Obviously Upworthy Weekly. And also, we want to let everybody know she has this other show called Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend. Hello, Allison. Hello, Todd Perry. And hello, listeners. Yes. Uh, you know, I'm thinking, because we're right after Thanksgiving that everybody's hearing this show. I think, like in my head, you know, obviously, as I always say to you, Allison, I say, I'm always thinking about you and your best interests, mm, like even during right. the week. Whenever we're not recording. Yes. I yeah. um, I feel you're like a little angel. You're my guardian angel. Thank, Thank you. you. I'm your Clarence. <laughs> you, yeah, but year round. Yeah. And so I think also like as an empath, I think about the listeners mm. that are listening to the show and like what they're up to and what they're doing. And I think, oh, you know what they're probably doing right now is, is putting up Christmas lights. Right. So, I'm just saying, right now, let's say you're on a ladder. Let's just say. Kind of high up on the ladder, maybe you're a little nervous. That makes sense. Ladders can be dangerous. Yeah, and you said to yourself, I'm going to put on this show with Allison and Todd because they're mildly amusing. I'm not going to have like a big, like a belly laugh that's going to throw me off this ladder. You want to have a moderate chuckle. Yeah. Something measured. A safe, a safe respectable teehee. Mm-hmm. Like, well, they don't curse on the show, so I'm not going to laugh that hard. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I can I can put that on while I'm, you know, hanging balancing. my, you know, you got, you're balancing, you got your arm, mm-hmm. you got your stapler there, uh, you know, and you know what? Being on a ladder, it's less safe than flying. Um, don't worry. We're not going to be so entertaining that we entertain you to death. No. We're not no, infinite we jest. No. <laughs> <laughs> We're moderately amusing. I was planning on being hilarious today, but I mean, and I feel like we should have ironed this out ahead of time because now all of my grade A material, going to have to put it aside, my topical grade A holiday material, and now I'm just going to have to be bland and boring like you. Oh, well, okay. Here, okay. Here's what I say then. Let's, let's take the governors off the show. I don't even know what that means. Okay. Oh, no. Is this I, a sports I, I don't, term? Yeah. Like, you know, if you drive a U-Haul and it doesn't go go past 60. Mm-hmm. Those are governors? It's, it's got it's got a governor on it, so you, oh. don't go, you don't go too fast. Right. You know. So I'm just saying, if you are on a ladder right now, then just hold on tight. Maybe <laughs> sit, on, sit on your roof and have a beer and listen to the rest yeah. of the show before you come down. That is right. Uh, yes. So on today's show, we're going to go over some of the most popular and engaging stories on Upworthy from the week of tw- uh, November 21st all the way to the 25th, and uh, including... Now, now, Allison, this is what they call a tease in, uh, in radio. All right, let's hear it. Uh, we're we're going to talk about... We're going to reveal the one artist that Weird Al wouldn't parody... Uh, and we've got uh, the dead giveaways that someone just lost an argument, and how to raise, quote, good kids according to Harvard. I can't wait to find out all, all of these things that you've teased. And now, the Wednesday Adams of Upworthy, Allison Rose. Why in the world we even chose her for this show remains to be seen. Take it away, Princess of Darkness. Children, what are you doing? I'm going to electrocute her. Thank you for that celebration of my talents once again. Anyway, Todd, this first story, I feel vindicated despite that incredibly insulting 
theme song, which I get the sense is here to stay. I am a person who likes to decorate for Christmas early. And now science, I have science on my side because want to feel happier? Science says start decorating for Christmas early. According Mm. to science, decorating for the holidays early makes you happier. Uh, Psychoanalyst Steve McCune says uh, that the good feelings stem from a sense of nostalgia Uh, He says, quote, although there could be a number of symptomatic reasons why someone would want to obsessively put up decorations early, most commonly for nostalgic reasons, either to relive the magic or to compensate for past neglect, he says. Uh, And then psychologist Deborah Serrani says that uh, changing the scenery inside and outside our homes is a great way to get a quick hit of feel-good hormones. Um, That's what I have found. We started decorating quite a bit earlier than Mm. we normally do. We did it like pretty much right after Halloween. I wasn't even aware that this was so controversial. Uh, And it really made me excited for the holidays. And I was like, I totally get now why people, because I still sometimes identify as a, even though I'm very much an adult, I'm like, look at me doing adult things like, having a set of Christmas towels. And I'm like, I want to get a full set of Christmas. I want to get Christmas sheets. I mean, we have the Christmas. I think actually we don't even have, I, you know what? I just lied. That's a classic Wednesday. Adam's Adam's things thing to do. We have Halloween dish towels, but I want the full Christmas bath mat. I want Christmas sheets. I want Christmas everything so that I can be like, it's officially Christmas time. We're going to outfit our house in everything. Christmas. We did just get Christmas curtains to put up and it's like i could not be more happy we've been playing christmas music everything's very christmassy i will not play your cruddy song but the mariah carey one but uh yeah i i'm like i just want everything like now it is officially christmas we're getting christmassy it is it is change of scenery and it is making me happy and also according to science it's a great way to send a message to your neighbors that you are friendly and you're it's it says hey look we're friendly and this neighborhood is cohesive and it says to the people who might be a little bah humbug get with the program this is a happy friendly cohesive neighborhood uh by the way that sounds yeah that sounds like uh uh something that you know Someone being just moving into a new neighborhood, and then if a neighbor said that, I'd be taken aback <laughs> a little bit. Like, what does that mean? Like, oh, welcome to the neighborhood. We're happy and cohesive. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Know, it's like right. my wife and I we're bought our first house. We're going to pass some, we're going to give you some pamphlets. Please come to our house at 7 p.m. And like an let old- us indoctrinate you. When I first moved into the neighborhood where I live now, my old neighbor said to me, you know, if you see anybody that doesn't look like they belong in this neighborhood, call the police. And then I was just thinking, like, what does that mean? Like, am I looking into this far too deeply? Yeah, that's Are a, you, that's, sir? Right? That's upsetting. Yeah. <laughs> I, would be, I would be alarmed by that. Um, yeah. And look, at, look. I, I think I've been saying Christmas, holiday decorations. It doesn't have to be. You know what? Allow me to get real for a moment and undermine my own argument. You do whatever you want with your house except put up hateful messages. Uh, you do not have to decorate if you don't want. But I appreciate your decorations as long as they're not scary Halloween decorations. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it, people believe that their unsociable neighbors are more friendly if they put up decorations. That's just, you know, what studies say. And then here's a survey to find out when most people feel it's appropriate to start decorating for the holidays. So uh, a poll of 2,748 adults who celebrate Christmas, Hanukkah, or Kwanzaa found that 27% put their winter holiday decorations up before Thanksgiving, 69% wait until after Thanksgiving, and the most common time was the day after Thanksgiving when 25% of people started decorating for the winter holidays. So we really started doing it early this year. What about you? Well, here's the thing. Like, I I know that article has science in it, and 
stuff yeah. with real research, but you know, I, I often do my own research on things. And I just found for my quote, lived experience, mm. mm-hmm. which by the way, well, I never says ar- can't that. can't argue with that. Can't, no, you can't. You can't argue with lived How experience. Can I? How can I argue with that? You could, you could have a scientific study that had two million people, right? But if I if I if I call lived experience that negates all science, you got to know that. I know what I've seen, Todd. Yeah, and I was just thinking like the 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 idea of Christmas decorating fills me with dread because just like I was speaking about before, that means that sometime this weekend, I'm going to be on a ladder, hanging Christmas lights, mm-hmm. and I'm going to get kind of scared, and then. My wife is going to get mad at me because she's going to be like, you're not holding the lights right. You're going to break one because we have this like sacred strand of lights uh, that you can no longer find replacements for the lights anymore. So if you break one, you're SOL, right? Well, you have vintage so, lights? Well, I mean, they're vintage now because we had them for quite some time. But mm. they, they're like discontinued at Target and my wife loves them. You can't find replacement lights. So I, I'm sitting there like, oh my God, if I break one, they're like, yeah. It, we're, it's gonna ruin Christmas, and then it's also like I gotta get on the ladder, and I gotta do the, and then, I, you know, sometime before March, I have to get back up on the ladder, and I have to take it all down again, and I feel like I just put it all up, and so in that way, I I, I get a feeling of dread about it, and then also we have this little like four foot high snowman. Mm-hmm. And he's just the cutest, honestly. He's just, he's the best. And he's getting kind of old. He's been up there. He's been outside for a long time. Uh, his arms fall off on occasion. Uh, his carrot sticky orange nose is a, kind of a brownish color. But he's just lovely. I just, he, he, he brightens my uh, holidays. And then every time we bring him out, though, my wife goes, Is it time? Oh, no. You're going to euthanize t- the snowman? She wants to euthanize the snowman. I'm like, no, this is it. I love him. And he brings me joy. You know, he sparks joy in my little snowman, my little cute little snowman. And my wife's (laughs) like, I don't know. I think he's, he's had a lot of great holidays. And then I get sad and I have to fight her on it. You know? Yeah. Um, is he, what is he made out of? Snow? I don't know. Some. I don't know, some kind of like shredded PVC on top of wires. It's probably all cancerous. It's probably like, it's probably made of asbestos and. Uh, yeah. Will you send me you a know. picture of this sad snowman? Because I need to see him. I, I have yeah. a lot of questions. These lights, are they special and different than other lights you could get? I mean, there has. Look, we're having an issue with our tree lights as well. Daniel has uh, removed himself from many a childcare duty to hunker down trying to fix the tree lights till finally he gave up. And I was like, fine with that. He thought he was going to be disappointing me. And I was like, no, it's fine. Um, They're incandescent. And he's like, next time we just get LED lights. Mm. Uh, The LED lights, though, they don't like sometimes sometimes they look too, I don't know, too bright or too this or too that. But the lights that your wife is in love with, do they have a different look than other lights that are available currently? Yes, that's why you can't find any replacements to them. I, and I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to describe it. It's got like a kind of a sheen to it that, mm-hmm. that, that emits a very warm light. Yeah. It's not like the chilling LED right. lights that look like they're the Means light on your refrigerator. Parade. Yes. Yeah. I know. Uh, for Halloween. No. Oh, I forgot about this. This is why I'm enjoying the season because we haven't yet put up our icicle lights that go around the house that are LED lights and they're like a bluish silver LED that makes it so it looks like a perpetual dusk even when it's night. It gives it this like blue purple glow outside that is so otherworldly. I really don't like it. Uh, Daniel does like Daniel and the kids <laughs> I, like it. I was it. kind of into that. I was like, oh, oh kind of it, well, you might, you might like it. You can live here, but I don't, oh. but I don't know. I like, I, and I think I said one thing sort of negative about it once. And then I've like reeled it back in. Um, it's just, the reason I don't like it is because it, it messes with my sense of, it always looks like it's like 6 30 PM even when it's nighttime, because it's the same oh. light that you'd have as the sun is like, as it's like almost dark. 
It's very weird. I do not like it. Merry so Christmas. You got like, <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a perpetual dusk. Yes, exactly. It's it it's uh, confusing to my brain. All hail Todd Perry, the king of good news. God save the king. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Uh, So right now, people are sharing the dead giveaways that someone just lost an argument. And... I wrote about this earlier this week on Upworthy. It was like uh, all these really kind of fun cues that people give when they've lost an argument as people were sharing it on Reddit. And then I thought it would be a great thing to discuss on this show because, as we know, Allison, when she's not, you know, judging Christmas decorations, she loves taking time on Twitter to sit and argue with people. Um, now she's on Mastodon, so she can argue also on that platform with people. I'm also on Hive now. It's like everyone, not everyone, but some of us w- went to Mastodon, and now people are on Hive. I, I And the whole thing was I was going to try to leave social media or spend less time on it, and now I'm like more more on it. What is happening? But you were saying. Yes. And so yeah, I was just like, oh, these are some great tips. So then Allison knows when she can, you know back off the argument. Yeah, and you can do your little victory lap. Exactly. Um, Also, for a little bit of commentary, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to get, go out there and make a, uh, make a prediction. Ooh. And this is recorded. You got this? You ready? I will, I will in a moment, yeah. All of this crazy hysteria over Elon Musk taking over Twitter and I'm leaving Twitter. God, Twitter's going to be ruined. In six months, everything will be completely the same as it always was. And it was all this hysteria is going to be mean absolutely yeah. nothing. Just like, remember net neutrality? Oh my God, yes. net neutrality. Everything's going to be awful. And everybody, everybody who's a media type uh, on Twitter was like, oh my God, it's going to be so terrible. Like the internet's going to be shut down. And I loved the internet. And um, nothing happened. Actually, absolutely nothing changed. And so this is how I think this exact thing is going to happen with with the Elon Musk Twitter thing. It is interesting how many people I know have left Twitter, though. People whose tweets I really enjoyed. And also, I watch them just like, well, that's it for me, folks. Now I'm done. And I'm like, wow. I wish I had the ability to walk away like that. Yeah. I don't. That's like, to me, and this speaks volumes about what's wrong with me. That's like me going, Elliot, that's that's my five-year-old son. Elliot, I love you. It's been real. <coughs> I'm out. And then just walking away right. and never seeing him again. Being like, I, it's been cool, but it's, this is not, this thing is not working for me anymore. Bye-bye. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to peace out Can't like a imagine. 70s dad. Yeah. 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 That, th- this is my theory. And it, it, that doesn't go to make any kind of value judgment on Elon Musk. It's just, I think, I know, I'm old enough to know hysteria when I see it. That's what I'm saying. Mm, yeah. So here's the problem with starting an argument with somebody who's clearly wrong. And this is from the article. People with opinions that, you that are wrote. not based. That I wrote. Yes, I'm reading myself. <laughs> okay. Just want to be... Sorry, this, wanna, this is my job, I just want to be clear. I know you're the king of good news. Yeah. And uh, here's the problem with starting an argument with someone who's clearly wrong, is that people with opinions that are not based on facts, facts or logic have, a, have trouble with critical thinking, which also makes having a discussion with them terribly difficult because they don't know the rules of engagement. Hi, Mrs. Perry. Oh. My wife just dropped off two dogs in the in the studio while I was recording. All right. Hey guys. Anyway, so <laughs> Fan are they fans? Do they listen? Yeah. So, uh no. Scout, I mean, 
Scout's a real Daily Wire kind of guy. Mm. You know, he's like a Ben Shapiro kind of dog. Oh, no. But Archie, Archie loves us. Okay, good. So, again, <laughs> here's the problem with starting... Please keep just, this in. She just comes in, drops it, leaves the door open. <laughs> so you hear like, is an airplane flying over? So mm-hmm. they'll be like, you know, she doesn't listen. So she doesn't know uh, what we're doing. Clearly. But Clearly. It's gonna, uh, it's gonna drop off a jackal in the room while you're recording audio here. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Do you mind if I vacuum? Right. No, that's exactly. Uh, okay. Let me reset. I'm Here's the problem. my kazoo right now. <laughs> right. Here, here, I've got my, my bass tuba. Burp, 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 Here, I'm just going to come in here and put in my boombox and start playing a Jenny Lewis CD. <laughs> Here's the problem with starting an argument with someone who's clearly wrong. People with opinions that are not based on facts or logic have trouble with critical thinking, which also makes having a discussion with them terribly tricky because they don't know the rules of engagement. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, So the first step to avoiding these situations is not having an argument. But as we know, that can be difficult. Mm -hmm. But if you have to settle a disagreement, it's best to frame it as a discussion instead of an argument. The difference? A discussion is a respectful exchange of information. An argument is a coercive attempt to be acknowledged as right or smart or sensitive. Stephen Stosny, PhD, writes in Psychology Today. So let's, Allison, let's role play just so maybe you can, as you as you move into Mastodon, you can stop arguing with people. Maybe like you can, okay. you can create a new you with your new social media uh, profiles. I do like that idea. All right. It's like being born again. Yeah, I know. So like, I know, and I was, I, I will say that I was like, well, there goes the idea that if I ever, ever had it to do over again, I'd be super picky and deliberate about who I follow because it is just, I'm just willy nilly doing it. The ex- I, I mean, I'm just rebuilding the exact same thing that I had before. Yeah, but this is a chance to start anew, Todd, with you as my guardian angel. So, like, let's say you're you're on Mastodon, you think you're having a good day, and then someone says, hey, Allison, all vaccines have microchips in them put in by Bill Gates. Right. And then I would want to say something, uh, it, like, insulting, but I shouldn't. Instead, I should say something like, um, should I say, like, what makes you think that? Do your research, Allison. Is that good? Um, see, now I just want to block this person. I do not feel that we have... Oh, I'm exhausted. <laughs> well, I've won. This person just yelled at me. That's good. See, you got it right. So uh, yeah. number 12 on this list was actually do your research. The moment somebody just blurts out do your research, it usually means they've lost the argument. Yeah, because they're not engaging with you anymore. That's right. Uh, another one is a I, personal... I hate it, that person, by the way. Yeah. I, I just personally and, insulted them. Yeah. A personal Sorry. insult, yeah. As you comment on the person and not the topic. Uh, the next one is... This is a pretty good one. You've won the argument when someone says, Oh, I don't even care. <laughs> Also, when it's someone who started the argument. Yes. Right. The people do that on Twitter all the time. Why is it so important to you? It's like, you came after me. Oh. Right. Man. Yeah. This is feelings. Uh, This is the one that that kills me. And this uh, this has been like the arguing tactic of the last six, seven years. And that's bringing up an entirely different topic. What about Mm -hmm. ism? Yes. So, oh, mo- oh boy. Right. Like, what about Chicago? Yeah. Yeah. What about what about Bill Clinton? Mm-hmm. You know. So now uh, do that's, blah blah blah. They do that. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. A lot of that. Like now do blah blah blah. It's like, well, we're okay. 
even if we, I was to concede part of your point, we're not talking about that right now. Right. And just because one person does something wrong and somebody else did something wrong doesn't mean right. that first person is not right because somebody else did something wrong. So these are some good techniques, everybody out there, to point out to know that you can then take the victory lap. Or you could just say, oh, guess what? I just won the argument. And they go, how do you, how do you know? And then you just point them to this episode of this podcast yeah. and just link them and go, uh, 27 minutes in, this, you know what this brought up for me to get highly personal for a moment. My Ooh. mom, when we were arguing when I was probably when I was a teenager, she would go, "Well, you're a brilliant debater, Allison," and I oh. was like, "That is that is a sign that she felt like she was losing." But that is actually, and if you, I don't think she listens to this podcast. If she does, mom, I'm on to you now that I'm an adult. That is actually a very manipulative tactic. Oh, to yeah. say like, oh, well, you're a brilliant debater. Like, no, I was actually making a point. You're the one who is uh, accusing me of like using a debate tactic. I'm not using a debate tactic. I'm making a decent point. Right. I'm making a good argument. Like, yeah. that wouldn't stand in the court of law. No. <laughs> well, aren't you a great debater, Johnny Cochran? <laughs> you know? Right. It's also condescending. Oh, look at well, you, really Miss Little is. Debater. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it, it 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 always frustrated me because it's like I'm not just debate. I'm not just trying to score points. I'm I actually feel what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's why I, it, this was actually like I found this I, thinking about it was like I was getting triggered thinking about it. <clears throat> I can't wait till I get older and then my son tries to you know tell me what's up. Yeah, you know or you know and the funny thing is like times will change. In 30 mm -hmm. years, you're not 30 years, I don't know, 15 years, the world will be a different place and we will be old fashioned people. As much as we don't want to admit we'll be old fashioned people, and we might have some old fashioned views at that point just because we haven't evolved or whatever the world changes or right. these Gen Zers twisting and doing the mashed potato or trying to ruin everything. But and we probably will, and then our kid will have to like, explain it to us and then we'll be like oh my god and you'll have that moment i yeah. was actually imagining what that is going to feel like what that's going to feel like when my kid is like rolling their eyes and wanting to negate my entire lived experience mm. over like some term i use that they deem not correct anymore like you right. just don't get it mom because you know that's going to happen oh yeah we have Hours and hours of recordings of you using this term or having, yeah. like I've listened to right. podcasts I've done 10 years ago and there'll be jokes and then I'm like, ooh. Oh, yeah, I know. Hope no one, hope no one finds that, you know, mm -hmm. that didn't age well, you know. Upworthy Weekly. Harvard psychologists have been studying what it takes to raise quote unquote good kids. And here are six tips. One, hang out with your kids. It's uh, setting the bar pretty high, Todd. Uh, yeah, so more well, than anything, I, I, I will say I have with my son what we call Daddy Declan Day. Oh. When maybe my wife's like going, I don't know, wine tasting or whatever she does. Um, she's going to go, oh, she's taking a day to just drop off dogs in random studios around the... <laughs> um, but so we'll have a day and I'll just go, oh, Daddy Declan Day. Or my, you know, my wife's maybe got some work to do on it. Oh, look, Daddy Declan Day and then... Then my son goes, do we get to go to a place? Mm -hmm. And a place is anywhere that usually has three things, beer, pizza, and video games. So it's Chuck E. Cheese? Or, or a place. There's a lot of places. You know, There's a lot of like <laughs> pizza joints around the world where they have right. space invaders and, uh, you know, and uh, I'll have a Budweiser and, you know, we'll let the day go by, you know. Tell the kid about my college football days, but no, high school football, no. Right. Anyway, continue. <laughs> That's so sweet. How often do you do Daddy Declan Day? P pretty often. I, we probably have about two a month. I should have Daddy Declan Day with my kids. It'd be so confusing to them. Yeah, I'm gonna I'll call drop it off that. Declan. Yeah. <laughs> they go whenever we see him. Like, mommy drinks beer and eats pizza. You know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I used my dad and I when I was little used to have what we called business day 
because and it was when my mom would catch up on business like paperwork and things like that and then my dad and I would have <laughs> business day and he would take me out and we would go to lunch and then we would go to the toy store and he'd like buy me a toy and then we'd go to a playground or something and uh, those were really good memories uh Ooh. okay so yeah hang out with your kids and I think it was every Wednesday because I think he had Wednesday like the first part of Wednesday off um or maybe he had all of Wednesday off uh anyway um yeah so it's just important to spend time with your kids vibe with them the article doesn't actually say vibe with them I added that uh but Mm. you know listen to them ask them open-ended questions uh see how they see themselves in context with their home school and more listen to what they have to say um And then the next tip is if it matters, say it out loud. It's important that kids get the message clearly when you want to communicate with them. Uh, So according to the researchers, quote, even though most parents and caretakers say that their children being caring is a top priority, often children aren't hearing that message. So be sure to spell it out to them. Um, That's a good one. Another tip. Another tip is show your child how to work it out so you can help them make decisions by trying to identify the root of the problem and helping them fix it. I think a lot of times, I know I'm guilty of this, uh, we just kind of do things for them. It yeah. can be easier. Weren't we, ta- we, weren't we talking about that? Just how, I think there was another, another story we were doing um, where there was sort of some controversial parenting advice from a woman who was saying anything that my kids can do themselves, I have them do themselves. And we were talking about just how much time that takes like a three-year-old, they probably can put their shoes on themselves, but Oh my gosh, that's going to take five times the amount of time it would take for you to just put their shoes on for them. Um, so really, yeah. Taking the time to, to help them to do things on their own. It takes a real patience. Yeah, I came across this when I just finished up a season of coaching AYSO soccer That's for the right. first for for the first time, and I came across this thing where I noticed other coaches when I'm watching games, they're like, "Jackson, pass it to Declan. No, Declan passes Jackson. Stop the ball. Throw it over." And they're like, they're constantly narrating and yelling at the kids the whole yeah. game, and I was like, I think you just gotta let the kids play. You know, they know what they're doing. If anything, it's just distracting and you're trying to to, to direct them. And yeah. there's a difference between telling people what to do and coaching. Coaching isn't just telling people what to do. You know? Yeah, you're guiding. Yeah. And so, but then I'm sitting on the sidelines and kind of being quiet because letting the kids play. And then I think every parent's going, why isn't he coaching? Right. Right. They're thinking he's not be, tr- being like mm. some control freak on the sideline. So it was this weird thing where I didn't want to seem like I didn't care. I cared, and that's why I, I wanted the kids to kind of manage the game themselves. So that was a weird, weird thing I was trying to make sense of because it was like, what's the perception? So sometimes being the more involved parent, you're giving off the vibe that you're a better parent when actually letting the kids work it out themselves is uh, yeah. a much stronger thing to do. It's like you got to come up with coaching busy work, like wheel a big chalkboard out there and write strategy on it or something. Yeah. Not the worst yeah, strategy, w- but, you know, draw strategies, stuff like that. Uh, that. That's what I'd do. I'd actually, and then I'd do the whole bit from Twin Peaks and go, this is Tibet. Mm. Mm, anyway. By way of explaining what we're about to do, I am first going to tell you a little bit about the country called Tibet. An extremely spiritual country. For centuries, the leader of Tibet has been known as the Dalai Lama. In 1950, communist China invaded Tibet. And while leaving the Dalai Lama nominally in charge, they in fact seized control of the entire country. Okay, look. Twin Peaks is my husband's favorite show or one of his favorite shows. Super duper into it. I started watching it and then I, because I do stuff like this, I spoiled it for myself by reading the plot on Wikipedia. I found out what happens. I was very into it though. What, at what point does the Tibet thing happen? Cause I don't remember that. I think that's in like the first four episodes. 
Really? I did see that for sure. Oh, well. Yeah. Okay. Uh, make helpfulness and gratitude routines. Studies show that people who engage in the habit of expressing gratitude are more likely to be helpful, generous, compassionate, and forgiving. And they're also more likely to be happy and healthy. You know, we were doing a gratitude list every night. And then at some point we stopped. And it's one of those things where I have no memory of when we stopped. Do you practice gratitude in the Perry house? I try to, like when I'm putting the kid to bed. But really, I reading this, I know that we should do it way more and make it a habit. Because I've found that personally, as I've tried to become more grateful for everything, it's made me a lot happier. And, you know, obviously, uh, desire is the root of where a lot of uh, pain comes from. And mm-hmm. so having less desires and being content with what you have and appreciating uh, the wonderful life you have uh, goes a long way. Uh Researchers say parents shouldn't praise kids for every kind act and should reward good behavior only sparingly. That's quote unquote good behavior only sparingly. Researchers recommend parents, quote, only praise uncommon acts of kindness. That's going to be difficult for me. <coughs> I'm like a praise machine. Uh, well, that's good. I, yeah, I guess if that's your problem, that's a, I guess a, a good problem to have. Yeah. I That's mean, also. I heard that was the name know. of your 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 gospel album too. Was praise Alison machine. Rosen Praise Machine? Praise Machine. Yeah, yeah. It was like goth gospel. Ooh, does that exist? Ooh. I guess Evanescence is like goth looking Christian music. Oh, are they Christian music? Well, now I'm pretty sure. Now I'm. I might be wrong, but now I'm pretty sure. Is there goth gospel? A question to think about over the holidays. I mean, really, what's so wrong with uh, is an, an excessive amount of praise? I guess if you're praising them all the time, then it doesn't really have much effect. I don't know. Right. And he also might make a kid that's a total egomaniac who thinks they're the bee's knees, you know? Yeah, I guess. And then lastly... This is second to lastly. Check your child's destructive emotions. The ability to care for others is overwhelmed by anger, shame, envy, or other negative feelings. It's important to help kids navigate through their negative emotions and help them remain focused on being caring individuals. That's for sure. And kids do have big emotions. Um, oh, yeah. You know, so I, I, don't, I don't even think that a child exists out there that doesn't have all of those emotions. And if... And I, I, I would if if a child doesn't have a lot of big negative emotions, I would wonder like what's going on that they're not having them. That's my own right. My, that's my own take on that. But you know, so yeah, you gotta you gotta help guide them through that. I guess the key is knowing when to intervene versus just mm-hmm. let, letting them have that emotion. You know, like oh, sometimes yeah. it's I like kind of always let them have it. Yeah, I don't know. Right, that's a tough. I one. think you. That's a tough one. I think you always let them have the emotion. But you don't let them hurt someone else. I say as someone who has two boys who I find I, I don't want like one of them to hurt the other one, but I want to acknowledge what they're feeling. You know, I, I th- well, sometimes like my kid will have a big feeling. It'll it'll go on far too long. I see. And go through too many permutations of, mm. I just want to live, or whatever. Like, he starts getting grandiose, <laughs> and it's like, okay, now now we're going to have to step in and start punishing for the big feeling. Like, now it's time, it's, we're, we're past the healthy point here, you know? Um, How do you, what do you do with that? Uh, usually, I try some kind of redirection to to get the kid to to go focus on something else mm-hmm. or look if 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 you can't manage this then we're going the rest you know we might have a a punishment coming down because at a certain point it's just when they're being indulgent i think mm. there's a difference when they start kind of faking and being indulgent and going on and on then it's like now you're being rude to mommy and daddy by carrying on like this it's not right. it's no longer healthy you know Right. That's what I think. But it's hard. It's not cut and dry. It's hard. No, it's really hard. It's really hard. Um, it's really hard, especially in our case, it's really hard when with like with Elliot, when he's really overtired too. 
that adds this like X factor of like, I'm, I feel like I'm dealing with just a, a maniac. <laughs> Right. I can't reason with it all, you know? Like, he just needs to sleep this this insanity off. Right, yeah. At that point, it's like dealing with a drunk, you know? Yes, like, exactly. Uh, exactly. There's, you just, there's no cut, win here. Yeah, yeah, cut your losses. Right, like, yeah. I'm dealing with... I'm, I'm negotiating with a terrorist. I need to just get him to sleep. Uh, and then lastly, show your kids the bigger picture. So it's easy for them to have empathy and caring for the people in their immediate circle, but you just need to, like, show them that there's a bigger world around them and we're part of a bigger world, a bigger community. Um, so show them examples of, you know, empathy and caring for the world at large, you know, in media or in news, things like that. Just keep, show them, you know, their place in the, in the world. Yeah. Like, 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 <laughs> it's just, it's like, we're just on this like blue marble. Right. And we're in space. And like, you know, money, it's just paper, man. But it's paper. And, you know, so they put value in it, man. But, you know, just whatever. And, you know, and you're just the universal consciousness looking at itself. So, you know, do your homework, though. You know, that's that's Daddy Declan Day, usually at the end of the day, you know. Oh, boy. (laughs) Upworthy Weekly. Weird Al never did a parody of this artist's songs and never will for a pretty cool reason. Now, this was the big tease. Are you ready? Ready. Okay, but before we get into that, I guess Weird Al right now is kind of having a a bit of a moment. Yes, he is. I mean, we're always in the Weird Al moment, I guess. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a perpetual moment, right? As long as there is... Funny songs to be written, I guess. We're perpetually in it. But did you see the Weird Al movie? Weird? I haven't. I have not seen it. I need to see it. But I keep hearing people ref- like, oh, have you seen Weird? And uh, I think they're saying, did you see Weird Al? Because are you aware that some people call him weird? Maybe this is covered in the documentary. Um, I actually, not to brag, but I know people who know him. I don't know if they're like good friends with him, but they know him. They sometimes... I don't know. They like appear with him or I don't know. Like I do not personally know him, but I know people who know him and I feel like they might refer to him as weird. Uh, oh, really? Or they, or they think it's funny to call him, to refer to him as weird. Like as if his name is weird. Um, so I keep hearing people say, did you see weird? And I think that they're called, they're referring to the man, but they're talking about the documentary. This whole story really went nowhere. I'm sorry. And it sounds like I was just bragging and I really wasn't trying to brag. I haven't seen it and I heard it's good. I just wanted a great Weird Al story. Like, did you know Weird Al, like, really into guns? Or just something you <laughs> wouldn't think Weird Al is. Like, Weird Al. I heard 20 AR-15s in the back of his tour bus. Like, Unfortunately, all I know... Fr- so, I believe Tony Thaxton, uh, producer on Alison Rosen's New Best Friend, Paul F. Tompkins, who's been a guest... Um, I'm sure Jonah Ray knows Jonah Ray who has like a weird owl cover band. Um, who's been on my show friends with Tony. Uh, I'm just naming names now. They all, he's just supposed to be like a super great guy who loves guns. Right. He's just a super great gun nut. Yeah. So I was just thinking about that. I saw the movie and it's one of those movies where it's like after about 45 minutes, it's like, all right, I'm good. But really, there was a very, very funny scene by a pool with a bunch of like celebrities like making cameos where Jack Black plays um, uh, Wolfman Jack, the famed DJ. And that is like one of the most brilliant things. Like, so it's definitely worth watching, but it kind of, it kind of outstays its welcome at a certain point. Mm. Evan Rachel Wood's really good, but at like the last half hour, I was like, okay, wrap it up. Got it. But, yeah. So anyway, let's see here. Uh, so, okay, here is the one person that Al uh, many times tried to do a parody of, but it could never make it happen. Everybody sees Weird Al um, as a rite of passage um, if you will do their song and make it your own. Has there ever been anyone who said no? 
it's very rare. Most artists look at it as, a, like you said, a rite of passage. It's like they've re reached a certain plateau in their career. Like you've got your Grammy and you got your gold album. Like where's the Weird Al parody? It was like, you know, you need the whole trifecta. Uh, the, the one it, person- Yeah, add that to the EGOT. Yeah. <laughs> the we got is the- The we got. Yes. Boom! Right, Boom. Yes! <laughs> we got! We just came up with it and I'm never looking back. We got back. the beat, yeah. We got it. Uh, but yeah, the, the one person that consistently said no was, was Prince. Uh, he, you know, and I, you know, he just was very protective of his music, and I can understand that. But it was, it was a, a bummer for me because I had a lot of what I thought were pretty good ideas, and he never was into it. And people were like, "Well, you know, you could probably ask his estate now." And and I don't want to do that because I've always respected the artist's wishes, and Prince made his wishes pretty clear. So I'm still, I still respect that. If you could cover a Prince song, like if say he. Like what? What was your vision or or audible oh, vision? Gosh. There were there are several. Um, I, there was one for when doves cry. Uh, in, in my movie uh, UHF, uh, it wound up being a Dire Straits parody, but it was, it was originally a, a parody of Let's Go Crazy. Uh, I had a parody of 1999, where it was about like you know some like Mr. Popeil kind of guy selling things on TV for hey, for only 1999, you know that kind of thing. So I had several ideas, but uh, it, it didn't pan out. Okay, so it was Prince, and that's cool that he's the kind of guy that's like, even though Prince is dead, I'm not going to come out with my great, you know, Purple Rain parody. Right. Or, Very respectful. Uh, yeah. And I, even though I, I would feel that Prince would have a sense of humor about that kind of thing, because Prince is one of those guys that was like, could be hilarious in the right context, you know? Like yeah. He was on Arsenio Hall, I think kind of uh, the, when they brought back the Arsenio Hall show. And it was just him and Arsenio Hall for an hour. And he was hilarious. It was fantastic. Um, but so I had to do a little look up on, on Weird Al. Because I always had the question, like, does he get permission to do his parodies? And I found out at Weird Al's website, they have a great FAQ where it says, hmm. Al does get permission from the original writers of the songs that he parodies. While the law supports his ability to parody without permission, he feels it's important to maintain the relationships that he's built with artists and writers over the years. Plus, Al wants to make sure that he gets his songwriter credit as a writer of new lyrics, as well as his rights and his royalties. Um, that's nice. So that's it. That's interesting. So like... We could sit and do like a parody song right now and we wouldn't have to worry about, you know, Spotify shutting our show down, right? So, or right. we could put out albums. Like you could be Weird Allison Rosen and, ooh. uh, ooh. And you could do yeah. your Like a Surgeon or make fun of whatever pop hit is happening now. Mm hmm. Right. Cause I guess it's fair use. Yeah. Is the, is and, how and it's the, protected. And then I was thinking like, if you're Weird Al, it's got to be hard these days to do a parody song because every song's just Ibba, Wudda, Itta, Hey, Nabba, Wudda, Hey, Wudda, Huh, Hee, Wudda, Like that's. Right. I, I, I sound like a 45 year old white guy doing that, but really there's kind of a. I feel like the pop sound has been narrowed down a bit uh, of recent. Mm. Yeah, you do, you do sound old. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just being honest. Okay, okay. Upworthyweekly.com, does Todd sound old, or does every song on the radio now go, Huda, Huda, hey, <laughs> So, that, this crazy rap music people are doing. No, but even like R&B sounds like that. Like everything, like rock music sounds like that now. Or just to my ears, I don't know. But, so then, I was thinking about, I was thinking about Weird Al a lot today. And then I realized, you know, there's kind of a Weird Al for every generation. Mm. Right? Like, everybody from the age of, like, 8 to 11 goes through their Weird Al phase, right? And then, like, right. to me, I was into him through, like, Eat It, through Smells Like Nirvana, and then I grew up and, you know, stopped buying every Weird Al tape that came out. But so I was like, I'm sure there's a ton of Weird Al hits that I don't even know about just because it's not on my radar, you know. Mm -hmm. So, okay, Allison, I found the top five most popular Weird Al songs on Spotify. Oh, amazing. Can you guess what they are? Can you just 
throw out some names. What do you think? So I also have fallen off on my Weird Al oof knowledge. But I'm going to get, oh gosh. Like, mm. okay, I'm going to guess Eat It. Top five. You got to guess what's in the top five. Okay, Eat yeah, It is number, number five. Okay. Um. Uh. Like a surgeon? No, not Getting in the top in five. There? Not in the top five. You um, know, the thing is, if like if I played like a surgeon for my son, he wouldn't, he wouldn't get it because parody. Right, he wouldn't know. Yeah. I mean, it's a funny song in and of itself. But okay, here's some. So number five is Eat It. Okay, thank number you. Four, number four is The Saga Begins. I don't even was, know what that is. Bye bye, Mr. Anakin guy. Maybe oh. Vader someday. But see, that one, are we keeping you up, Allison? <laughs> 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 All this hot, weird Al talk is putting Allison to sleep right now. <coughs> no, you I know, didn't you know, get Daniel. Enough sleep. I did not get enough sleep. I, this I was is having riveting. Fun. This is riveting. I didn't get enough sleep, okay? And then he just kept talking about weird Al's in the show. And he just kept talking about Weird Al, and then his dog was barking. Uh, so there was that. I'm telling you, I am, I've never been more riveted in my life. Unfortunately, I had to catch up on White Lotus last night, and I did not get enough sleep, okay? But I am riveted. Three words. Riveted. Number also. three. And this song I didn't know, which I got to listen to. And uh, Party in the CIA... That sounds great. Instead of Party in the USA by uh, Miley Cyrus. Mm. All right, number two, big hit. Big hit. White and nerdy. And what is that? What is that? I'm, I'm old now. It's, it was a parody of Riding Dirty from like uh, 2001. Chameleon Air? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm. I like that song. Or was it, was it Flow Rider? I think it's Chameleon Air. Mm-hmm. Upworthy well, Weekly at Upworthy.com. To say who's right? Yeah. Okay. Okay, and then finally, number one, and if my soundboard wasn't broken, I'd put on a drum roll. Right. Because I'm a Here, professional. I'll do, I'll do a drum roll. Amish Paradise. Ah, uh, yes. That is a good one. But yeah, it's it's funny. There's an Al for every age group, and now the thing is, I'm like, are these are these numbers weighted because Spotify came out? You know, you know the songs that were right. less popular don't don't have the time. I don't know. Except I get weird about it. this stuff. Eat it, yeah. One. Yeah, it was like I was thinking, like I was throwing the Beatles on Spotify the other day, and okay, what what's the most popular Beatles song on Spotify, Allison? Let it be. Uh, here comes the sun. So actually, oh, funny really? George Harrison has the most popular Beatles tune yeah. on Spotify. Anyway, I'd like to That's thank surprising. everybody for listening to me ramble on and on about Weird Al. I'd like to thank Allison Rosen for spreading her Christmas cheer. <laughs> and I'd like to thank my wife for dropping off the dog in the middle of the studio while I was recording. I'd like to thank Todd Perry for just looking out for me throughout the year and for the listeners. Uh, and, you know, I'd just like to thank the listeners for being wonderful. Upworthy Weekly was produced by Todd Perry. Follow Upworthy on all socials at Upworthy. Allison is on Twitter at Allison Rosen. And Todd at Todd A. Perry. That's Todd with one D. Questions, comments, or to tell us about your amazing week, email us at upworthyweekly at upworthy.com. I'm Marley Balin. Have a great week.